Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Previously on Truth and Justice. This episode published almost exactly two years to the day before we got the news that Edward Eights was going home. Hey, Ed, we're going we're gonna to run out of time. Um, I'm gonna, I'll okay. shoot you an email on JPay and let you know when we can talk again. But okay. keep the faith, brother. We're going to get you out of there. Kenny's working with okay. us. So just hold tight, keep the faith, and I'll be in touch. Thank you for your time. Thank You're you for your time. You're welcome. Take care, bud. The caller has hung up. Hello, it's me I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet To go over everything they say that The Smith County Justice System has destroyed countless lives Kenny Snow and Edward Aids are just two of many these were two men who were bullied by the system and like so many others formed a bond of friendship while sitting in the Smith County Jail. Kenny Snow cracked under the pressure of the Smith County justice system and he turned his back on a man who would become his friend. I spoke with him this week and from the other side of the state in another Texas prison Kenny asked me to send a message to Edward Eights. Well, I'd like to tell uh, Mr. H that I'm, I'm sorry for what happened. It wasn't about something that I wanted to do. Wrong was wrong, right is right. So when it happened, I knew I had to make it right. So I went to my people and told them what had happened and but they was more interested in me fighting. So then I wrote his attorney. Hello. How are you? It's so typical of me to talk about myself. I'm sorry. I hope you will. If I can help him in any way I can, I'll be a piece of myself and I'm all I'm okay with it. It's no secret that the both of us are running out of time. So
always been a fighter, but without your help, I was about ready to give up. But now, I'm in it to win it again. And, and not only for me and Edward Eight, but it's other men in Smith County that's been messed over. The destruction brought down by this situation goes far beyond just Kenny and Ed. Their lives have been destroyed their families' lives have been torn apart. Kenny Snow has made mistakes. There's no denying that. But as he's told me many times, he's always been a fighter. And he's ready to fight now. Not for just himself, but for Ed as well, and for everyone else that's been destroyed by this corrupt system. Ed Aids has always had a strong support system, but it's a support system without resources. But I believe with all of you behind me, that after 18 years of sitting in that prison, Ed finally has a chance to go home to his family who loves him and misses him. Faith, brother, we're gonna get you out of there. We're gonna get you out of there. Gonna get you out of there. Get you out of there. Get you out of there. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good people from around the world who want to make a difference. and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. The only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. In today's episode, we're going back in time to season two. Our intention today was to cover the rest of the crime scene in the Melgar case. But with all the travel involved and the work involved in putting these episodes together, we just didn't have time to do both, so we'll be returning to the Melgar case next week. But today, you're going to hear the conclusion of a story that began over two years ago. And when I say conclusion, I do not mean the end. After a short break, I'm going to tell you along with help from the man himself, Edward Aid's story. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Two and a half years in the making, September 5th, 2018, was the day. The day that Ed Eight was going to walk out of prison. My flight landed in Dallas around 6 p.m. on Tuesday the 4th. After a bit of shuffling and shuttling, I walked out to the six rental car lot, space number C10, to pick up my ride for the week. And there it was. A nearly brand new Jeep Renegade bright lime green in color. I stood there staring for a minute. You've got to be shitting me. It looks like a tennis ball. Typically, when I'm working in the field, there are times that I need to be inconspicuous. I sure as hell won't be tailing anyone in this billboard of a car. I went back in and asked the very nice clerk if there was possibly another SUV for me. I believe my exact words were, nope. She chuckled. I didn't. And she told me that they were completely booked. It was the green machine, Ed's name for my car, or nothing. I swallowed my pride, knowing that I had no intention of tailing anyone in this trip, and climbed into my badass green Jeep. I was Huntsville bound. The drive from DFW to Huntsville is about three hours. Plenty of time for me to cycle through all levels of anxiety, excitement, and emotional outbursts. As soon as I was clear of the Dallas traffic, I set the cruise control on the Green Hornet and began my 180-mile trek down I-45. If you've never had the opportunity to travel I-45 from Dallas to Huntsville, you're really not missing much. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. To be honest, the scenery wasn't really on my radar that evening. As the sun set, I called Ed's wife, Kim. We'd been waiting for this day since March 29th, and we thought it was going to be time for him to come home a few times. I needed to hear from her that Ed was indeed walking out in the morning. Kim assured me that he would be a free man in about 14 hours. The prison officials told Kim that they would begin releasing inmates at 10 a.m. and that if there were no family members there waiting for them, they would be put on a bus. She was not about to let that happen, so she planned to get there at least an hour early. I told her that I would do the same and focus back on the road ahead. Several pit stops and one double bacon Whataburger later, I finally rolled into Huntsville around 10 p.m. And yes, the Whataburgers do live up to the hype. Luckily, I had a friend in town when I arrived because I was not ready to sit in my hotel room alone just yet. There was a Buffalo Wild Wings right down the road, and they had a beer with my name on it. Chris and I sat and talked and threw back a few blue moons for a couple of hours, reflecting on the crazy road that led us here. 
For those of you that don't know the full story, here's the Reader's Digest version. Sarah Koenig made a podcast. I liked said podcast. I became obsessed with the case covered in the podcast. My son got sick. I got bored. I made a podcast talking about a podcast that was talking about that podcast. The Serial Dynasty, the cringeworthy name for my show when I assumed that no one would be listening, started off as a book club of sorts. Myself and listeners would tune into Undisclosed every Thursday. They would email me their thoughts, and I would talk about their thoughts and share my own. In my shed, next to my lawn tractor, with dog poop on the tires. My sweaty head stuffed into a makeshift studio. A cardboard box with one side cut out for my face and lined with acoustic foam to contain what one iTunes reviewer called my booming baritone, which made my day. And I was really enjoying the iTunes reviews until I read a day later, quote, Insanely stupid. Mouth breathers. Go back to your parents' basement and work on your D&D skills. End quote. Humbled, I dredged on. I talked about the Heyman Lee Adnan Syed case for a few months until I had questions that no one else was answering. I made some phone calls, reached out to some people that wouldn't talk to anyone else, and out of nowhere, the Serial Dynasty started climbing the iTunes charts. There I was, working at my desk at the fire department, answering emails from people like Sean T., John Cryer, Allison Sweeney, and more. I informed my firefighters that they were now working with a Hollywood mogul, and I would be available for autographs at our next training to which they responded by unscrewing the lid to the salt shaker, ultimately resulting in the destruction of a much-anticipated leftover lunch. In all seriousness, about the same time that things were picking up with the podcast, there was an election. My governing body, my bosses, so to speak, the fire board, had a big changeover. Suddenly, the job that had become a lifestyle to me for most of my adult life was inching much closer to miserable than rewarding. Every day was a fight to even obtain the basic necessities for the men and women that I was responsible for. Two things were keeping me sane. My awesome wife and family, and an investigation that was actually revealing evidence that could bring justice for Heyman Lee. Fast forward a couple months, and I received an email from an Ohio woman named Spanesha Rains. She asked me to look at her uncle's case. She believed that he was wrongfully convicted in Tyler, Texas. All of you listeners had already funded a new climate-controlled, dog-shit-free studio for me to work in, and after 15 years, I no longer enjoyed going to work at the firehouse. I told the fire board to take their job and shove it, like any maniac 10 years from retirement would, and told Spinesha that I would tackle her uncle's case on our newly rebranded Truth and Justice podcast. Spinesha's uncle was boxer Kenny Snow. After first taking care of a few things that my years in the fire service had prevented me from doing, getting tattoos below my sleeve line and growing a beard, I went full steam ahead on Kenny's case. Kenny informed me that he had falsely testified against a man named Ed Atez. Anyone remember me calling him Atez? I learned about Ed through Kenny's letters, and apparently I can't read. While working on his case, Snow suggested that I reach out to Mr. Atez. So... I wrote Ed a letter telling him that Kenny had told me about the false testimony and that I would like to see if I could help him. Ed then took my sincere, heartfelt letter and promptly threw it in the trash. Here's a fun fact. The world is full of assholes that think nothing of preying on the desperation of the imprisoned. For just $5,000, I can get you out of there. That type of thing. 
Ed had been through this before and had no interest in getting swindled again. He knew his situation. All of his appeals had been exhausted. He would never admit guilt for the murder he didn't commit, guaranteeing that he would never be paroled, and ultimately, he was never going home. He thought that I was either trying to rip him off or I was delusional. And he was dead wrong about one of those things. I'll let you figure out which. A week or so later, I decided to try again, this time getting into a little more detail about what I was offering. I explained that my expenses are paid by advertising, allowing me to work without ever charging anyone a dime. Basically, I'll investigate your case for free. At that point, Ed thought, well, maybe he's just delusional. I'll write him back. But I hadn't included my return address in the second letter, so Ed had to do a little trash digging. He pulled my first letter out of the trash, uncrumpled it, and wrote me back. On March 27, 2016, I published episode 210, Hope. It featured an hour-long interview with Ed, now Eights, and all of you fell in love with a kind-hearted man who had his life taken away from him. He was angry, but righteously angry. You could hear the appreciation and skepticism in his voice. But more than anything, no one heard a killer. By this point, the Truth and Justice Army had grown into what it is now. Not a book club. Rather, we had become a massive team spread out around the world, all working together in the pursuit of truth and justice. The Army engaged in Ed's case for the next 12 months. Week after week, we dissected the crime scene photos, transcripts, and evidence. Meanwhile, a listener put me in touch with her personal friend, Mike Ware, the executive director of the Innocence Project of Texas. I called Mike, he called me back, and I pitched him Ed's case. He was interested. Mike told me that he would need trial transcripts and just about every piece of paper ever created regarding Ed's case. I was on a plane three days later. A listener donated to us a portable scanner after my telling of my first trip to the Smith County Clerk's Office where I paid a dollar per page for Kenny's file. The ladies in the clerk's office allowed me to bring my little scanner with me and for the next five days I scanned Ed's entire case file, including all 27 volumes of his trial transcripts, 20 pages at a time. Feeling triumphant, I called Ware back upon my return to Michigan. I told him that I not only had the entire case file uploaded to Dropbox, but also had about 200,000 people willing to help with anything he needed. Without much fanfare, Mike casually informed me that IPTX would take Ed's case. Mike told me that he was assigning an attorney from Lubbock to handle Ed's case. Enter Allison Clayton. Allison and I had an interesting relationship from the very start of a newly created team. I was over the moon that IPTX had taken the case, and she was wondering what she did so wrong to be saddled with working with an ex-fireman radio dude from Michigan. Attorneys do not talk to the media. They just don't. Luckily, after spending a week working together in Tyler, I saw Allison for what she is, a tenacious, determined, and skilled attorney. And she saw me for what I was, delusional. By the end of our first week of working together, Allison and I had found a groove. As a team, we seemed to be the perfect yin and yang to get the job done and to get Ed home. For the next 18 months, Allison, her students, myself, and all of you worked day and night on Ed's case. In December of 2017, we received word that Ed was coming up for parole. 
his third trip before the board. In his prior two reviews, he was basically rubber-stamped and denied. He showed no remorse and admitted no guilt. Almost like he wasn't even trying. About a year later, I interviewed Jeff Diskovich. Jeff, himself wrongfully convicted and exonerated, had been seeing some success in New York petitioning to the parole board for his clients by making the voters see that some people won't admit guilt because they aren't guilty. He was watching people walk free, and I thought maybe this could work for Ed. It was at least worth a shot. Listeners from around the world sent stacks of letters for me to forward on to the parole board while Allison worked her magic behind the scenes. She reached out to an extremely well-respected parole attorney, Roger Nichols. Allison was, let's say, persistent, and she convinced Roger to represent Ed for free. By convinced, I mean that she basically gave him no other choice. Roger organized Ed's case armed with all of our letters and a case for innocence to be presented to the board. Then, on March 29th of this year, we got word. Ed was going home. He had been granted parole while still maintaining his innocence. Nichols told us that in his decades of experience, he had never seen this happen in the state of Texas before. Nonetheless, Kim would be reunited with her husband, and Kyra and Zach would finally have their father in their lives. After that point, it was a waiting game. TDCJ wasn't exactly an open book when it came to communicating with us about Ed's actual release date. First we thought June, then July. We were sure he was coming home in mid-August. And then finally, a date was set. That brings us right back to September 4th, me sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings, drinking a beer and reflecting. Around midnight, I paid my tab and headed back to the hotel. We were just 10 hours away from the big moment, and it was going to be a long 10 hours. I settled into my bed and drifted off to staring at the ceiling. I just couldn't shut my mind off. I was way too excited. Around 1.30 a.m., I was finally starting to feel a little bit tired when some very rude people pulled up to check in right outside my first floor window, laughing and talking like it wasn't the middle of the damn night. Just as I was thinking, who checks in at 1.30 a.m. and is this loud? I got a text from Allison Clayton. We're here. Are you still up? I shot out of bed, got dressed, and trotted out to the lobby. I hugged Allison and met all of her new students. We chatted for a bit and then was back to my ceiling staring. I never really did fall asleep that night, until maybe 15 minutes before my alarm went off. With big circles under my eyes and my hair standing up on end, I put on a pair of shorts and yesterday's t-shirt... And barefoot, I wandered out to the lobby to get a cup of coffee. As soon as I stepped out into the hall, I was greeted by a man with big circles under his eyes wearing what looked like yesterday's t-shirt, barefoot, and his hair standing on end. Morning, Bob. It was Michael Hall. Michael wrote probably the best researched and informative article I have ever read on Ed's case for Texas Monthly a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't read it yet, look it up. Michael and I were pouring coffee and chatting when I heard a large man in a nicely pressed pink dress shirt bellow, I know that voice. Are you Bob Ruff? Damn it. I wasn't really intending to present myself to any listeners looking like I was on the tail end of a two-week bender. But, always willing to take a few minutes for a fan, I faked a smile and asked my devoted follower his name. 
like a jackass. It was Roger Nichols, Ed's parole attorney. Now I'm awake. Nothing like a good old-fashioned gut punch to your ego to snap you back into reality. The three of us chatted for a minute and then retreated to our rooms to get ready for the big event. I showered, shaved with my amazing Harry's razor, harrys.com slash justice, then hopped into my green machine and headed to the walls unit. When I arrived, there was already a crowd of Truth and Justice listeners gathered outside, complete with free at eight signs and Truth and Justice Army t-shirts. I parked the green monster and joined the growing crowd. For the first hour, energy levels and emotions were high. The morning was peppered with the arrival of Allison and her students, Roger Nichols, now in a different neatly pressed shirt, which makes me wonder what he sleeps in, and then Kim, Kyra, Zach, and more of Ed and Kim's family. Zach was the first to approach the crowd. He's always been the stoic one of the bunch. So I gave him a hug and cried like a baby. Then came hugs with Kim and Kyra and impromptu speeches from Allison and Roger. Momentum was building as we approached the 10 o'clock hour. Just before 10, a man who works for a ministry explained to all of us how the process will work. There were 95 men being released that morning. They would all come out at once and walk in a single file line down the sidewalk. Those with family waiting would peel off from the line, and those that didn't would continue on to the bus stop. All who wanted to join hands in a large circle while the man recited a prayer. After the last amen, it was just about time. It was 9.45 a.m. Any minute now, Ed would be walking around the corner. We all theorized if they would arrange them alphabetically, placing Ed in the front of the line. Either way, we agreed, the sun reflecting off of his six-foot-seven bald head would certainly serve as a great beacon. Around 11 a.m., the prison's media relations person stepped out to ask me what was going on with all the people in the cameras. I told him who I was, and he remembered me from my inquiries to visit Ed and Jesse over the last few years. He was fine with our large gathering, but asked if we'd mind moving off the walkway into the office building. Apparently, we were blocking the employee's entrance. We obliged and waited with bated breath for Ed to walk out. We waited, and waited, and waited. The hours seemed to crawl by, and the temperature was rising into the high 90s. Energy levels were plummeting, and everybody was hungry. Several people would occasionally go live on Facebook throughout the day to update all of the people watching at home. Apparently, the message was clear. We were hangry. Because while we were waiting, no less than 14 pizzas were delivered to our group. All paid for, including tip, by members of the Truth and Justice Army. Side note, I would like to especially thank fan page admin Chris Brinkley for getting a close-up live shot of me stuffing a hot, greasy piece of pizza into my mouth. After we were done eating, we continued to wait. Until someone yelled. I think I just heard the gate open. Everyone sprung to their feet. And there he was. Not in line with 94 other men, but alone. Ed H. was walking towards us in an ill-fitting, likely donated outfit. The tears, screams, and cheers erupted. As Ed nervously walked across the street, Zachary broke loose from the crowd and ran into his father's arms. Oh, my God. 
From here, it was nothing but hugs and tears of joy. But I think I'll let Ed tell you the rest of the story. Hello? Edward. Hey. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How are you? Really good. How's your morning? Oh, man, everything is great right now. I'm sitting up drinking me a a cup of coffee right now. (laughs) (laughs) How you liking that Keurig? Uh, I love I love the cute machine. I was trying to get up this morning. She talking about Kim was talking about this. Well, can't you lay down for a little while longer? I'm ready to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you adjusted at all? Are you uh, able to sleep in yet? Or are you still getting up bright and early? Uh, I still pretty much get up early. I think I we slept about six thirty this morning, but that was about it. I think I was just laying there to about six thirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's more or less. Well, that's good. Well, hey, man, I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about, you know, the listeners were all asking me to tell them how you're doing since you've been home. So I thought it'd be better since, you know, I don't have to wait till 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning and wait for your call and I can call you anytime I want. I thought I'd let you tell them about how you're doing. Okay. Okay. First of all, you know, if we can just kind of go back, can you talk a little bit about your first couple days home and what it was like for you? Like everything from just when you walked out until you got home, what was that like for you? Well, it was it was kind of wild at first day. I mean, it still hadn't seemed real. I know I was I knew I was coming out and getting ready to come home, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. I mean, you know, I was expecting Kim and you and Allison, but I wasn't, you know, really expecting the crowd that I saw. You know, I came around the corner. And seeing all those people, you know, I was like, I was like, oh man! And then I heard my, I heard my sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody I remember, in Texas heard your sister-in-law. <laughs> I remember, I remember telling my wife, I said, "Well, I, I didn't see her, but I heard her." <laughs> <laughs> and then they started pointing, and I came on there. I was like, man, I was kind of, I was really kind of nervous, you know. I came over there, and I, I seen my wife. I was. I was headed to her, but I only my son stepped out, and you know, I mean, he just—I mean, that kind of did it right there. You know, it kind of, it kind of took me right there. I was, I was so happy to see him. <laughs> I really couldn't let him go. Right. <laughs> Were you surprised when he was the first one to to step up and grab a hold of you? Yeah, I really was. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, kind of. You know, one day I was like, was it going to be Kim or you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, I was surprised with him. You know, I was, I really was, you know, it kind of, it really made me feel good too, you know. Yeah, that was incredible. You know, cause Zach's always been, from my experience with him, you know, Zach's always been real appreciative and, and really kind with me when I'm there, but he always seems like he's kind of stoic. Like he just kind of keeps his emotions bottled up and, you know, he's a, yeah, he, he, he did. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that, you know, but he did. But I mean, that day there, you know, I mean, we both kind of, you know, let go a little bit, you know. Yeah. I really enjoyed it though. I really enjoyed it. Then my daughter, then Kim, <laughs> then you and Allison. <laughs> <laughs> and I see, I see Mr. Nichols back there, Mr. Roger Nichols, my, the parole attorney back there, and he was just there. I was like, I can't just let him stand back there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 was, I, I was saying to myself, that's, I think that's him. I said, that's, that is him. 
I'm so, so I know that's him now. I done got up on it because I know he's he pretty much tall like me. Right, right. I, that's him. That's him. I see. You know, I got to go back here and, and shake his hand and hug him. Yeah, it was such an awesome moment, and you got to you got to connect with a bunch of listeners too. I know there are a few that you've you've stayed in close communication with, like Joanne. Joanne was there. Uh, Danielle Roar was there. Kathy was there. It was so many people there. I couldn't even, you know, it, I, I knew so. I knew a lot. I knew them by their letters, you know, but putting the face with, you know, I never would have, you know, if they hadn't told once once they told me the name. And, and and I heard their voice, you know, I could put the name with the letter, you know, and said, that's who that is, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Allison. Oh, yeah, you got to you got to give Allison a hug for the first, you know, she's been. Yeah, I finally got to give Allison a hug. She's been kind of, you know, she's kind of pissed off because I got to shake you in uh, Mike's hand that time. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, she ain't even forget that. She said, I'm, she said, I'm the damn, I'm your damn attorney. I can't even touch you. Shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, when I told her about that, she's like, "Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you a pass, but damn it, Mike got to shake his hand, and I haven't got to shake his hand yet." <laughs> she said, "He's the he's the new guy." <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it the you know the, the the kind of black hole area for me? What I don't know what was going on is what what was that ride home like? Because you guys had about a three hour drive home. Oh man, we were it was. You know, really, we talked, but it was really like a little, a lot of, um, you know, I was just looking around, you know, just trying to soak everything in and and looking at the car and everything that was in the car. I was like, yeah, look at this car, all the, you know, all of the little gadgets and stuff in it. Right. And I kept turning, I kept turning around, looking at Kyra and Zach, you know, they had their, she had her, uh, I guess her computer and he had his his phone and you know it looked just like the the stuff on tv people be riding down the street on a family trip and the kids in the back you know they ain't saying nothing they just got their head down with their fingers moving <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and i was you know i was kind of you know i was a little tired but at that time when i got in the car it seemed like you know I, everything went away you know i had just all kind of energy and i was just soaking in you know really the scenery because you know i hadn't I ain't had it like that in 20 years. So, you know, I was just looking, asking her questions, you know, and just laid my head back, look out the woman holding her hand, you know, just making sure it's still, making sure everything is real. <laughs> right. Well, and you, you had told me that when you got home, you had a hard time sleeping for those first couple nights. And was that, was that kind of making sure everything was real? Was that part of that? Yeah, I think that was kind of part of that. Cause you know, I just really, I had laid down and I had I had kind of dozed off. Well, I didn't. Well, I didn't really lay down. I was just sitting here, and I and then I dozed off with my eyes closed. And, you know, I I was sitting there and I kind of got. I guess I got comfortable, and you know, I I went to laying down and then I jumped up. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's just I know I was here, but you know, it was just like I was kind of. I guess I was kind of scared to close my eyes because you know it, it, it might go away. <laughs> right. Right. I don't know how they sound, you know, but that's the way it kind of seemed. It felt to me. Well, I get it. When you're in a, a 20-year nightmare, going to sleep probably isn't the first thing that you're looking forward to doing. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I got here, and, you know, we was, I was doing that, and, you know, I, I finally, I really didn't get any sleep, period. I, I mean, I think maybe maybe last night was the best that I slept. We were, we were watching a, a movie. We watched the news and we watched a movie. 
the uh, the hitman's bodyguard, and we were sitting up there laughing all night. But we made some tacos last night, I said, and she said, well, I'm going to lay down. I said, okay. So I was sitting here for a minute, you know, I was like, shit, I ain't standing here. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm coming in there where you are. You know, I got, you know, I got to, you know, I got to touch you, you know, all all day, you know, to make sure, you know, to make sure, you know. Right, I mean, right. I know she, I know she's here, but, you know, I just, I just need to go by and touch her and get up in the morning, early in the morning, go wake Zach up and look in there. And, and then my daughter, she's coming in because she's getting, she goes to school and goes to work. And, you know, I, I got a lot of traffic, so I, you know, I touch them every day, you know, Right. <laughs> <All> day. Right. <laughs> But so you told me you uh you said you said you woke the whole house up that first morning like you were a little kid. Oh yeah, I was we were all up at five thirty thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Becky about you telling me said, Ed said he got up in the morning, opened Zach's door at five in the morning, said, Hey man, what you doing? He said up he said up and looked at me like nothing, what you doing? I just came here to check on you if you feel all right. I'm coming in I said, you coming in here? <laughs> the mom was talking about, he's not coming in there. He ain't going to get up out the bed. I was like, okay. <laughs> I went on back in there and looked again. He was already up. Came on up here. <laughs> <laughs> they all sit down and have some coffee with you first thing in the morning? Yeah, we just sitting in there. He don't, he don't say too much. He'll sit up under me and sit right here, you know, and we'll talk in. Man. But I think, you know, he just, he just, he doing the same thing I'm doing. Just, you know, just enjoying sitting up under me. He enjoying sitting under me. I'm definitely enjoying sitting up under him. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. It's it's a is it yeah. is it starting to feel normal yet, or is it still just you know just just amazing every time you open your eyes? It's still amazing every time I open my eyes. You know, it's like I, I walk in one room and walk out of the next room. You know, and this, this is I mean, it's still amazing. I mean, I I wake up in the morning still surprised. You know, I get up, I walk through the whole house. You know. Make sure everything is real where it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure I'm not going to look out the door, open the door, and and I go outside and it's 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 comfy of the prison. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm yeah. sure when I was there, you you got a pretty good honey do list to catch up on uh, throughout the house. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we've been I've been doing all kinds of stuff. She keeps telling me to sit down somewhere and sit down. You can do that tomorrow. You can do that next week. You sit down and sit down. Okay, I sit down. I sit down one minute, two minutes, and I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm just kind of, and then I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I tell her, can I get some water, you know? And so she kind of, you know, she kind of got a little mad at it. Well, she didn't get mad. She just told me to stop saying that, you know, asking, can I get this or uh, asking, can I get that or, you know, uh, keep saying, uh, uh, you're this or you're that or you're this, you know. So, you know, I'm trying to break myself of doing that stuff too. So you, you know, you, you don't, you can go and get whatever you want. This is your stuff and it's your house, you know, and stop saying that, you know. So, you know, like I said, I'm just trying to, you know, still soak it all up and, and get all the way comfortable, you know, just like it's my neck, my hand on my right hand, you know, it's, it's automatic, you know. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I'm sure it's a just really tough transition to, you know, just just transitioning into being a dad and a husband that's home. You know, and and for everybody, yeah. you know, and it looked it looked to me when I I got to I got to spend a couple of days with you before I had to come home, and uh, oh, like yeah, it, we had a good time. Yeah, we did. You know, what I, I had, you know, and of course when I got home, everybody wanted to know everything about the trip, and I said there was two favorite times that I had, uh, maybe three, but 
One was when you, when, when all the noise and stuff quieted down and Kim went to bed early and you and I got to sit up and put that rub on those ribs. That was, that was oh, yeah. awesome. I mean, that was a, a good time. I mean, it didn't, I mean, that felt like, you know, it's just like we were just going to be sitting here, you know, I mean, we were going to be just uh, putting the rub on the ribs and, you know, just, just relaxing and talking about him and everything, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was just. It felt so normal for me for a minute to be able to just sit. It's like I'm sitting in my buddy's house, and it was so different from you know the, the 20 minute time limit on the phone for the last three years. Oh yeah, it really did. I mean, I was sitting. I mean, I know at one point I was when you was over there and you was making the uh, putting some more uh, mix together, and I was just sitting over there on the sink, and I had my arms closed. I was like, ah, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that's for real. <laughs> it is for real. Yeah, it was, it's crazy. And then my favorite funny story to tell is, is when you and I went to Walmart to get some stuff so you could do some work around the house. And, oh, yeah. And one, how amazed you were with just all the stuff that was at Walmart. But more importantly was you doing the self checkout for the first time. <laughs> that self checkout, man. I'm telling you. I mean, we went in Walmart. Going in Walmart was okay. You know, I mean, it was, but you know, I went in one time with my wife and we, we just said, we went in late on that evening and, and they had a power out. It's like the first day we went in there and the lights were in there out. And I was like, kind of like, uh, uh, baby, I think we need to go. And she said, well, uh, I said, no, nah, I'm ready to go. Right. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want nothing going on in here. No problem. I said, let's go. <laughs> we came back. We'll go to another store. And by the time we, by the time we made it halfway to the front, everything was coming back on. And I was still paranoid. I was like, get the hell out of here. Right. But when we went, yeah, but when we went in, you know, it was kind of, I mean, we was going in looking for stuff, you know, uh, getting a little stuff for the grill. And, you know, I was, I was really walking with you and, you know, I find myself, you know, just when we were walking, you were pushing buggy. I was just, you know, just, I, I, I noticed I had turned around at one point. I looked back and you, you were probably about, about four or five yards behind me. I was like, how the, my, I think one of my walking too fast, and you didn't say nothing. You was just letting me go on. <laughs> I was just sitting there. I was like, I was really, you know, walking there. I just, I was just lost. You know, I was, I was having fun. You know, I was really enjoying myself. You know, but I'm, I'm walking and looking up, and you know, just looking and looking at everything. You know, like a little kid at a toy store, candy store. So. Right. <laughs> but I had fun though. You know, it was, it was, it was great. It was great. Such a good time. And then we, we, we got to cook up those ribs. So for those of you listening that, that don't know you, we, Ed and I spent, Ed got him a new grill. And we went and got all this stuff. We rubbed them down and, and let them marinate overnight. And then we spent what, six hours smoking those ribs? Six hours. I mean, I mean, it, that grill is amazing. I don't care what you do to it. When you put the meat on there, it's just like, it, 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 it tells you what to do. They're done. Uh, keep cooking them. You can slow cook. They're not, you know, we're not going to overcook. And I was like, man, this stuff, and you know, we left, we left, how we left the chicken on there. And I had ate the ribs. We came in, we had ate, took the ribs off, and I went back and put the chicken and the uh, links on there. And we were sitting in here, and Kim said, I said, where'd Bob go? <laughs> he said, he jumped up and said, oh shit, the chicken and stuff is out there. Right. <laughs> and he got up and walked, because I had already figured that part out. When I went out there and checked him like three times, and it was, I mean, the grill was smoking hot. And I was, it was cooking out and I was like, man, this stuff ain't going to burn up. Right. I yeah. said, don't look like it burn up. And then you went out there and you can't take it. Well, man, I guess, you know, 
I went to check on the chicken, but shit, it's, it's just it's just sitting there like it's marinating on the grill. Like it know not to burn up. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you were sitting there on the phone also, and I thought, oh shit, <laughs> the chicken's been out there for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it, I mean, it it looks good. So, I mean, everything was good. Pulled it in. I was like, man, this is for real. This is good. Everything was so good. Uh, you put down a whole rack of those ribs. And then and then tried oh, yeah. and then tried feeding me my and Ken cousin. some chicken too. <laughs> oh yeah, my cousin my cousin came by and he's like he was like man you ate a whole thing you ate a whole slab of ribs <laughs> yeah I ate a whole slab of ribs he said man I was watching that shit I said God damn you ate a whole slab you said about four or five times and then we got up and walked to the kitchen and he went he where the grill at back here he said man you ate a whole slab of them goddamn ribs. <laughs> 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 my sister came up. My sister came up and and, and uh, she was she was ta- they were talking about cooking. Here, I mean, they all want they all like for her to cook. Look like, uh-huh. and she loves cooking. She loves cooking like I do. So she was talking about. It. She said, "Well, I cook up here." And she said, "You you ate it." And she was looking at it. And she said, "You ate all the real and that chicken." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I said it was good, baby. I said I ain't had nothing in a while. I ain't talking about shit. She said again. She looked at the kitchen. Looked at me again. <laughs> she, she ate all the damn ribs and that chicken. She said, "Okay." She said, well, "When you get ready, she said, when you get ready to cook, when you get ready to visit, just let me know because I'm gonna beat you to the punch. I'm coming up here to cook." <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't even get to see you eat the Krispy Kreme donuts the next day. Yeah, that's what I told her about the donuts too. <laughs> and I'm donuts. I ain't, I had never. I ain't, I've never had a Krispy Kreme donut. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, those donuts were. I mean. I mean, them donuts were all the time. They were good. I mean, they were good, good. The only ones I didn't, I didn't try were the ones with the, uh, I think the Oreo stuff on them. I, and I, I left four in there and they were in there the next morning on the table and everybody was looking around. They, uh, my son came in, uh, daddy, uh, what y'all gonna do with these donuts? I said, well, I don't know. I'm gonna see if you mama wants some. He said, okay. He said, if you don't want to let me know, I'm gonna eat one. I said, okay. He went back in the room in there, and I went and looked in the bedroom, and she was asleep. I came back in here. I went and checked on him. He got in the bed, so I went and raised the thing up on the donuts, and I was looking at it. I was like, well, damn, oh. I said, well, he didn't come back in here, and he's asleep. I said, I'm going to just one. <laughs> and you know, and you know the rest of the story, don't you? <laughs> well, I was gonna say when you said I, you left, I was throwing, I was throwing the box away in about about five or six minutes. <laughs> I said, "Well, I'm gonna take the trash out right now." <laughs> when you said you left four of them, there was twenty four freaking donuts that we brought. <laughs> uh, of course i put down on a few of them to m- myself those were good because we don't where i live out in the out, i'm not really in the country but it's a small town we don't have a, an actual crispy cream place close so i have never oh, had okay. the ones that were hot off the hot off the assembly line like those ones we brought up to your house that's just a mile down the road from your house yeah they, i mean they, they sort of good though i mean they were good i i haven't seen them i haven't seen the donut i mean i've made some before you know i've made donuts but I mean, it's nothing like these donuts here. Right, right, right. Well, hey, man, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you got an appointment this morning. But two things I want to ask you: did 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 Kim let you listen to the song that Shane wrote for you yet? Oh yeah, I listened to the song. I, matter of fact, we were we were listening to uh, yesterday, and then we listened to it this morning. And I, I got it. I got it hooked up on my. I told her uh, she had put it on my phone because I was trying to figure out. 
I was out there. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you about my new toy. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's hear about I that. Had it, I had it. I had it in my uh, phone. I was trying to make it play uh, in my truck, so I was trying to get Zach out there. But man, I mean, it's, I mean that song, man. It's, it's something else. I'm sitting there. When we leave this morning, that's what we're gonna be listening to, you know, because I'm trying to learn it. Oh right, right. My mom, my mom, my mama voice, you know, she in there. I mean, it kind of, kind of got me a little bit, to, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's... hearing her up in there. Let me tell you about me. I'm what I call myself. I'm a real damn woman. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, I know, mama, you would never lie. Believe me, the truth talk can be difficult for some minds, but you never had a reason to hide. Cause you were a real damn woman with three kids by your side. When we got sick, you protected us. And even through the pain, never rejected us. Now I'm going to say this proudly, okay? I did the same thing to myself and my children. So I don't play that shit. I know it was hard raising a man, but a woman like you did all you can. And I know it might be an understatement. Dear mama, you are appreciated. She It is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, it's, he did such an awesome job. He did a pretty good rapper for a, a, a white Amish guy from Maryland. I mean, he did. He did. He did a great job with that. I mean, I mean, he really did a great job. I mean, I liked it. I really liked the song. Yeah, it was awesome. And then, yeah, and then, so I guess there's three, because the other thing I want to ask you or, or have you tell everybody about is, of course, listener Danielle Rohr uh, made some arrangements with the local dealership. And was it yesterday or the day before you guys went and picked up your new truck? So tell me about that. Man, that, that truck there, man, that's what I was talking about, my new toy, man. Mm-hmm. I've got a Dodge Ram 1500. It's like a Texas edition. And Bob, it's, it's, I, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. we we pulled up at the dealership, and I know Kim said, you know, it was like the picture that was in the in the she had sent me a picture, and I was looking at it. And I was like, okay, it was like a single cab truck, but it was nice. I said, well, I mean, it don't matter. It's just, I mean, I don't have nothing now. I'm walking now. I don't have nothing. <laughs> so I said, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be a truck, so it's gonna be fine. So we pulled up at the dealership, and I seen a white truck there. You know, I was like, man, there goes a truck right there. Then I seen another one sitting on the other side, and I realized, man, that's a, if they all huge trucks. The we put an intersection with all the trucks are huge, mm-hmm. and uh, she's in this like this little bitty, this Lexus NX, you know. And uh, we pulled up, and 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 it just overwhelms her car. You know, you can't see nothing, not even the color around her shining. So right. I get out. I was looking. I was looking at one white truck. I said, man, that's a big nice Dodge there. And then I looked to my right. I said, man, that's a big old nice Dodge there. <laughs> and Danielle and them was taking pictures of her in their lives, and she turned to Edge and I hugged her, you know, because, I mean, I mean, she did so much for me, you know. I already, you know, I consider her a good friend, and I, like, I know her. I can, I probably can tell you, I seems like I can tell you some stuff about it. <laughs> right. How much we've been in contact with. She said, Edge, this is your new truck. And I was looking, I didn't know which way to look, so I was looking at her to wonder which way she was going to point. <laughs> right. Point, point <laughs> and she pointed at that one. I was like, this is a truck? I said, this don't look like the truck. She said, yeah. It's kind of a surprise, you know. We, then, then she went to tell me about it, and she showed me. I opened the door, and Bob, I'd be like, damn. I was like, man, I never had nothing like this. This is <laughs> right. great. I mean, this fantastic. I looked in there. I got in. He pushed the seat back. He gave me the keys, and I was like, you know, I got locked up. You used the key for your ignition. Right. And he gave me two keys and then two remotes, so. He put the key in and crank it up. So when he said key, you know, I just grabbed the key part. Right. And which it is, it's a part, it is a deal for the key. So I stuck the key in there and it just like, it took the key and it pulled it on in there. So he just crank it up. <laughs> so I turned it, I turned it and it wouldn't, the truck wouldn't come on. I was like, well, what the hell? So what the hell going on? He said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. He said, did you turn it? Yeah. I said, yep. So I turned it again. So he said, he said, oh, wait a minute. He said, pull it out. And he showed me, can you say, no, this key here, this is only for the super emergency person. You never need that. He said, use this right here. I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> that was like the remote part. So he said, put this in there. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do it for me. He said, go ahead and do it. You do it. So the guy, he, he put it in there. So I, I finally got it in there. He said, you get it in? I said, I think so. So he said, turn it. So I turned it and cranked it up, man. I was like, God, dog. Everything just went to lighten up on the truck. I was like, 
<laughs> he was telling me about the gear stick and because the gear is not, he said it's not on the dash anymore. Those are traditional ways. People kind of like them, right? You know, like what a console is now. So that's where everything is, like the, mm-hmm. this year navigation. And he was telling me all the features and stuff to the truck. He said, he said about 20 or 30 different things. And then he said, and you can do all this stuff here too, but you're going to have to do all that when you get home and stuff. I was like, okay. And man, Bob, I'm talking about this truck is, I mean, this truck is nice. It's got a cover on the back. He hit a, he hit some button and, and the back window slid all the way open. Uh, it's got four doors. It's got four doors, the back seats. It's got plug-ins everywhere. The only thing I figured out plugging in for was for the phone because that's, that's the only thing that I consider that right. I done mastered, that I done mastered since I've been home. I know how to call somebody to answer the phone. I know how to text and answer text. <laughs> well, I was impressed when I called you last night and you flipped it onto FaceTime by yourself. I'm like, I told Becky, I'm like, oh, he's, he's getting it. I can do it. that. I know how to, I know how to do all of that now. <laughs> and when Kim was saying, Kim was telling me, she said, baby, she said, people don't talk on the phone, they text. I said, well, I talk on the phone because that's the only damn thing I know. She right. said, the people be at work. I said, well, they text me so they're not busy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop texting. You, you, you stop calling and just text him. I was like, okay, Ricky, we'll do it. And then, as soon as I push the thing, I push, I push the thing, and it'll, it'll dial a number. Like the FaceTime, it'll be message, uh, FaceTime, a call, and I'll, and either I push face, either I push the face, the camera, or the call. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just. I mean, that's just the first thing. That lets me know there's a phone call going. <laughs> right. <laughs> have, you, have you started messing around with anything else on the phone, like social media or anything like that? Or are you still just working on calls and texts? No, nah, I didn't bother to social media yet. I, I still got, I just looked at the thing this morning and I was looking, I kept hearing something bleep. I was like, what is that? She said, I don't know. I said, keep bleeping, keep going. So I picked it up. I said, it looks like a, it said mail. She said, oh. that's an email. I said, what? <laughs> you didn't show me. You didn't show me that. So she pushed the app. She told me. She told me. She said, "Push it right here." Once I push it, she said, "You got." They say thirty-five. You got thirty-five letters, or something, emails, or something. I was like, "Damn, what is all of that?" Was it a bunch of junk mail? <clears throat> it was all kind of mail. <laughs> so I got to. I got to read. I got to read all of those. Right. I read like five of them. I was like, "Man, I got to go get me a cup of coffee." <laughs> oh. Well, that's awesome. Well, before I let you go, Ed, everybody's going to be listening to this. Everybody from around the world has been has been just just listening with bated breath to your whole story. So, if there's anything you want to say to all the listeners before I let you go, and then I'm gonna let you go to your meeting. And I just want to I want to thank everybody, man. I appreciate everything everybody's done. I mean, it's just it's it's wild and it's unbelievable, you know. But I mean, I'm happy right now, and and I and I appreciate everybody. Uh, trying to make me feel comfortable and, you know, making this thing easy for me. And I really appreciate everybody showing up, helping me, coming to see me when I got out. But I really want to thank you and Allison for everything that y'all did for me. I mean, I don't, I, I know this, well, I know it wouldn't really be possible without y'all. And I don't know what Mr. Nichols did. And I mean, he just showed up. That's why I called him a super lawyer. I don't know what he did <laughs> to show up and to show up in like five minutes and just, run over everything and it's done. <laughs> I guess it's maybe, you know, it was in the making anyway, but, you know, I appreciate everything he did, man. I, just, I love you guys, man. 
because y'all, I mean, y'all really took care of me and still taking care of me. And I can't say that enough, man. I just want to say thank you to everybody. This entire experience, from beginning to end, has been life-altering for a lot of people, myself included. I am so happy and so proud to have had every single one of you working to help make this happen. I want to give a very special thanks to Shane Yoder. As you know, Shane makes all of our music, sound engineers, and scores our episodes. You may not know that Shane also hosts a podcast called The Root Note. The song that you heard during this episode was created for his latest episode, titled Ed Eights. Please give this episode a listen. Shane speaks with me and listener Katina Carter about Ed's story and develops the song from these discussions. One more time, that's the Root Note Podcast. Make sure to check out the Ed Eights episode. Also, I want to send out a heartfelt thank you to Kyle and Laura Hunter. Kyle and Laura own Midor Dodge Chrysler Jeep in Fort Worth. When Danielle Rohr asked them about getting a good deal on a truck, they donated a 2013 four-door Dodge Ram to Ed, his new toy. An incredibly moving gesture that has lifted a heavy burden off of the AIDS family. And lastly, I want to thank all of you. Aside from all the help on Ed's case, the $35,000 you raised for him and his family, and your work in all of our cases, you all have changed my life. You've shown me that there are good people in the world who are willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to help out a stranger. The world is a brighter place thanks to each and every one of you. Sleep well tonight knowing that you have impacted lives in an amazing way. But our work here is not done. Let's all continue with our resolve and continue fighting to clear Ed's name. And to seek and find the answers to bring truth and justice to Elnora Griffin, Kiao Gove, Jesse Eldridge, George Powell, Stevie Branch, Damian Eccles, Michael Moore, Jesse Miss Kelly, Christopher Byers, Jason Baldwin, and Jim and Sandy Melgar. We've won a battle. But the war continues on. Truth and Justice is a production of NBI Studios. Michael Bussing is your executive producer, and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. And Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com also created our Season 6 logo. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash TruthAndJustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $1 a month, and we also have reward levels on the Patreon page that include access to the -the behind-the-scenes videos of the taping of our Friday follow-up episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. 
And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. But the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation in the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can follow along on Twitter at truthjusticepod. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on the case. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.